In this episode of Titans of Now, we interview Mike Barr, ServiceNow developer and hacker extraordinaire. Tons of links in the description below, so be sure to check that out. Remember, the end goal of Titans of ServiceNow is an interview with the man himself, Mr. Fred Luddy. But I can't do it alone, so if you enjoy this content, please like and share it through your network. If you want to know what I'm up to lately, I invite you to check out VividCharts. Stop exporting data off-platform for reporting. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Titans of Now series. It is so good to have you here. Today I have someone on the show I've been hoping to interview for quite a while, a resource I've watched move from beginner to an absolute master of the ServiceNow platform. I met him back in 2013 when I was leaving a major hospitality brand and I selected him to succeed me and where I tilled the earth, he planted a whole freaking Forest. I can tell you he's one of the best minds in the entire ServiceNow ecosystem in terms of just how far you can push the ServiceNow platform. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Barr. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Robert. And well-deserved, Mike. I'm so glad to have you here. So as usual, we always start at the start. Michael, why don't you tell everyone how you got your start in the ServiceNow ecosystem? Sure. Before I started getting into ServiceNow, I was a help desk technician for about eight years or so. And we got the unfortunate news that our entire department was getting outsourced to another company. Part of that deal was we needed to have one ticketing system. Five people were chosen to stay on with the company. I was the sixth and I had to migrate the internal ticketing system to ServiceNow. I kind of got thrown into the wolves with this where I basically had to learn ServiceNow development, single sign-on, and the whole architecture of the platform at a moment's notice. And I only had 90 days to do it. And I was successful. The app is still in use today. And that was seven years ago. Not many people know this about you. I know it about you, but you, the way you can come to grips with new tech is really astounding. I mean, I've worked in tech for better part of 20 years. And I've met very few people that can come to grip with brand new technology like you could. So what kind of tech experience did you have before ServiceNow? Were you already like what you would call a, a developer or? I was a developer at heart prior to ServiceNow. I did a little bit of Java programming, PHP, HTML, did not know a lick of JavaScript. <laughs> Stack Overflow and Google were my best friends. I just, I love technology mm -hmm. and I love everything about technology. And if once I find something that piques my interest, I want to know everything about it. I want to know how it works, you know, what makes it tick. And then how can I use this technology, whatever it is, and take it to the next level? What I'd like to coin the term of hacking the platform, any platform, whether it's a product or a technology, how can I use this technology and take it to the next level? How, what can I do that no one else has done before? Why don't you tell the audience a bit about some of those things that you have done? One of the technologies that I embraced when I was working at a hospitality company, the biggest thing that we dealt with was translation. I, I want to see this information in my native language. You'd be surprised how important that is for global companies because words can be taken out of context. And mm -hmm. it's very hard to understand what one is saying to another if it's not in their native language. So to start, because ServiceNow does have language translations, but it's it takes a very long time to implement. It's not an easy feat to accomplish for one language. Imagine having to do it 10 times over for you know many different languages. 
So what I did was I took the concept of Google Translate and I embedded it into the ServiceNow platform. So when you come into the platform, just like you would see on your web, on a website, you can change the language to your native language. And then I took it a step further. So one of the things that we also do is we talk to each other. You know, it's not just through a ticket or a record or an email. Sometimes you want to have a conversation with someone. So I took it to the next level of how can I do this in real time through Connect? And that was one of the things that I added to my Google Translate share project is that you can talk to someone in Connect for free in real time in their native languages. So I can be in English talking to someone in Spanish. I could be someone that speaks Spanish talking to someone that speaks Japanese or Chinese. Kind of like babblefish in the middle, right? Yeah. Did it actually get deployed live anywhere? It's on share today. Most people don't know about it. I mean, when people think Google Translate, they're thinking about their forms, their, you know, the text on the screen, but there is a little hidden gem in there that you can also do it with connect and connect is free. Right. So, so if you're thinking about a conversational platform, you got Teams, Slack, et cetera, that come at a price. This is in service now, which is just out of the base platform. Well, dumb question. Cause I haven't messed around in that virtual agent chat space. Does, does chat and virtual agent run over the connect infrastructure or is it completely separate? It is completely separate as far as I'm aware. Uh -huh. I could be wrong, but, um, and I haven't touched virtual agent yet, but the platform itself where the data goes, uh, I, I believe they're separate. So it was actually going to be one of my one minute Orlando videos because they, they did put some interesting new translation stuff in there, but I just remember seeing it. And I'm like, oh, it's still only half of what Mike has because you had that ability to have like a full on two way conversation. Exactly. And the cool thing is, is that it's not just a two way conversation with connect. It's a group conversation. So I can be talking in English and have someone that speaks French, Spanish, Chinese, Japanese, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. We can all be in a group conversation. And when one person says one thing, it's all translated into your language. So it, it, it does repeat the text, you know, uh, in the, the chat space, but at least you're now able to have that conversation and see what the other person is saying, even if you don't speak their, their native language. It's I, really cool. I wonder if there's um, an AI use case there. Uh, if you built a framework for the translation engine to learn how one language translates to the next, maybe you were saying earlier about words being taken out of context or it's just like the, the word has the wrong connotation. Exactly. Like, yeah. Right. And so it's like, okay, you say something English to Spanish and it's just the wrong word. Like, and so it sounds funny or insulting, but it's fine going in English to Russian. And so maybe if there was interfaces where people could kind of contribute to the machine, like this is a bad word, right. Or this is, isn't the best word. And then the machine learns, okay, the next time when somebody's mentioning, problems with a server in a place, then I describe the place as this instead of that. It's actually really cool that you brought that up because that's one of the other things that I've tried to take to the next level. And ServiceNow is definitely getting there in the predictive intelligence space and using AI and things like that, but it's very prescriptive. You know, you can categorize your incidents, you can assign them and things like that. It's very prescriptive, which is great, but I wanted to do something more. I wanted to see how I can take my own AI 
and integrate that with ServiceNow. And last year at Knowledge, Mark Scott did exactly that. It was the best knowledge session of that year, um, where basically he used his own AI system with a mid-server and was able to classify whether or not an image was a hot dog or not a hot dog. And that is something that I think a lot of companies can benefit from. Because like I said, with ServiceNow, you get this. With this, you can build your own AI system. So as an example, I built an AI on my own mid-server that did ticket classification just to see if I could do it. I took all the data from the incident table mm -hmm. and I went and classified it in my own AI. And then at the end of the day, I was able to take a short description of an incident, look at who you are, your location, and what have you, and be able to send it to the right group the first time, every time. So that was like kind of the proof of concept that I started with, where you can take your data, put it somewhere else, run your own AI, do your own training, validate it, and then send that data back to ServiceNow. The thinking bit is outside ServiceNow and you use the mid-server to reach it. And exactly. so within ServiceNow, you're like, go call this something that is optimized for AI thought. And you just say, go think on this and then return me the answer. But the thinking bit, that thinking engine is outside ServiceNow. Exactly, exactly. That's really cool. That's really cool. Actually, it's funny you mentioned Mark Scott. And we're talking about mid-servers. Uh, in his Titans of Now, we named him Mr. Mid-Server, but I just want to make sure everybody knows that Michael Barr is definitely in the mid-server posse as well. There's like a handful of people that know just all, like know everything there is to know about mid-servers and all the super exotic use cases. And Ah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, me and him had a really good conversation on the ServiceNow Docker mid-server pet project that I did. And we were talking about just-in-time mid-servers, spin up, do something, and then spin down. And right. there's a lot there's a lot of power into something like that. It's nice because, and secure too, right? It's just it doesn't yeah. hang out there waiting for its uh for its uh, credentials to be exploited or to get hacked in any way. It's just it's only alive for the transaction, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. And you're using resources. It, it's minimal, but again, you're using power, you're using a piece of hardware, like mm -hmm. it, something is there that's just sitting and waiting for something to happen whereas with this it just, it spins up, it happens, and then it's done until you need it again. The other plus side of doing something like that is scalability. You can take that model, if you will, and build clusters of mid-servers that can do anything. I, I've always looked at mid-servers as being this basic utilitarian thing that helped me in discovery. But then you sit with Michael Barr and you realize there's a whole realm of untapped potential in these things. And so it's great to have these conversations with him and get a bigger picture. Definitely. One takeaway that I would say to anyone that has had any doubts about a mid-server, don't. They are awesome. And if you go in with the mindset of, if I can run this on my own computer locally, you can do it with the mid-server. If you want to run a Python script, you can do it through a mid-server. If you want to run a Node.js app, you can do it through a mid-server. So the possibilities are limitless. Right. And that's where ServiceNow's, I don't want to call it an identity crisis, but they kind of have this fluid idea of ServiceNow is for low-code developers. Oh, ServiceNow is for pro-code developers. But I think it takes that kind of deep code mentality to look at a mid-server and says, this sits on one of my local machines, communicates with a apparatus in the cloud, and I can run scripts on it. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, 
it seems like such a simple collection of truths that can have profound potential. And you and Mark are really spearheading the community in terms of thinking what you can do with a mid-server. And I, I, I really hope that continues. Absolutely. When London came out and they took out the Java package for mid-servers, that was the one of the first things that I did was, okay, there's Java is out. Oracle is going to be charging customers for right. uh, yeah. Java use. How do I rewrite this in open JDK? Mm -hmm. And so I did, and I posted it on the community, a how-to on how to convert your Java enterprise to OpenJDK. And then what was really cool about that is after I wrote the article, ServiceNow within a month made it available in OpenJDK in Madrid. So that's one of the other things that I really love about ServiceNow is that for some things, their turnaround is fast. Uh, yeah. And they really do listen to their customers. So Mike, at the start, we mentioned that you and I shared uh, shared a working experience. I, I worked at a hospitality brand. And then when I left, you came and took over for me. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what that brand had to offer the rest of the community. Because I think now more than ever, people are starting to realize, oh, it's not just an ITSM tool. But this was back in what, 2013? Yes. Right? So like seven years ago, <laughs> almost eight years ago, this brand that on the whole isn't even a large ServiceNow customer, but they were like really blazing the trail for what can the platform do? Absolutely. So the reason why we have customer service case management, in my opinion today, is because of the application you built for this company on how to manage external customer cases. And you took it to a next level of case actions. And we loved the way that it worked. So after you left and I jumped on, we started taking it to the next level of automation. As an example, for a hospitality company, there'd be a case where like, let's just say bad service. And so the customer calls up, they had a bad service, or they had issues with their, their invoice, whatever the case may be. They log the case in service now, and then we needed some type of action. Okay, so here's the inquiry, the issue, or whatever whatever you want to call it. And then the agent has to do something, whether it's provide a refund, provide a discount, whatever that action is. And we had to log that. We had these case action instances. And at first, it was just logging it. This is what I did. What we wanted to do after that is, okay, how can we take some of this and actually automate it so that you can apply the case action of, and I'm using a very broad example of like cancel the reservation. So we'd put in a case action of cancel and we would want to do some automation around it, whether that's sending an email, maybe talking to an internal reservation system. Mm -hmm. Within the hospitality industry, your chances are you're working with not just one, not just two, but probably like five or 10 different systems depending on what, what the case may be. Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do is take away that interaction from those five, 10, whatever, however many systems that you need to do in order to perform that action. Because there's, a, a, there's a lot of swivel chair happening within the hospitality industry on where you go, for what, and for what reason. Um, and depending on maybe you're this type of customer, so you have to go here, and do this here first and then go there. So what we try to do is really take that away from the agent because it's just, for lack of better term, it's- Confusing. Very, yeah. very, very confusing. And imagine trying to- Time consuming to, too. It is. And imagine trying to train someone and 
like like most call centers, uh, the turnover is usually very high. Mm-hmm. So when you have to train someone to do that, you're spending more money onboarding a new employee that you may not may or may not retain. So what we try to do is take that away from them and say, just go here, log your case, and then put in the action. And then we'll do the rest for you. Um, and in a lot of cases in a call center, it can be challenging to find out who are you? You know what I mean? When I call in and I'm John Smith, okay, you are one of 10,000 John Smiths. How do I find you? That was another thing that we did, you know, my team, but we built in an integration to the reservation system so that we can find you or find your reservation, pull all that information into the case for the agent so that we know automatically like who you are and it's all there because that's the other thing is to confirm who you are, we have to go into various systems to check this, check that. We took that part away and it led to faster resolutions, a better customer experience. You know, you've been through the phone tree or getting transferred. You're like, who are you? Oh, I'm for the 10th time. I'm Mike Barr. <laughs> Here's my email address. Like you should have this. I know, I know. Right. Especially sorry. if you had the reservation number or the, that, that booking code or whatever. Too, exactly. Right? The last question I usually give is, if you had the choice to change one thing about the ServiceNow ecosystem or talk about something that you're most excited about in the future, where would you go? One of the things that I'm most excited about is ServiceNow's new analytics center. And they've been talking about it for some time now, is it's basically a Google for your ServiceNow data. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, everybody, all day, every day, I use Google like nobody's business. I go into Google and I ask, you know, what is this? How do I do that? What's the number on this? And right now, because it's in its infancy, ServiceNow isn't there just yet, but I'm envisioning that down the road that this will be the interface for your ServiceNow data. So let me give you an idea of what it can do right now. So you got your text box and you ask the number of critical incidents open today and gives you your critical incidents open today. And that's really right now all it does. And you can drill into the data. You can look at it. You can display it as a bar chart or a pie chart or a list. You can, you can define that and you can see that at a moment's notice because that we're a very reactive society. I don't know what I want until I know what I want. And so when you have something like that where I'm like, you know what, what is this? And I can just ask that question and ServiceNow returns me back that data. It's a really powerful tool. now. What about, inter- what about updating that data? Let's oh, say- yeah, yeah. So you basically like voice your update to the ticket. Exactly. Versus so like- get on your desktop computer and <laughs> if anybody has one in five years. Right, right. So like a good example is like, all right, I have a major incident. Outlook is down or email mm-hmm. is down. And you've got these incidents flowing in. My email doesn't work. My email doesn't work, whatever. And usually a service desk agent is finding these incidents and associating them with a parent incident, you know, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. Whereas with this, like you can say, give me all the email tickets open in the past hour. Okay. Relate them to this parent incident. You know what I mean? Like find me the data and then now go do something with it. Yeah. Uh, Get me all the incidents created for this CI in the past three hours and associate it with this problem and outage record. Exactly. Exactly. The power in that is it's limitless. And the cool thing about what ServiceNow did with this, they have tables of like synonyms 
mm-hmm. as well as well as like keywords. So for overdue, there's a keyword of overdue, and you can apply a JavaScript function or uh, like a Glide uh, encoded query that says overdue equals anything that has a due date of yesterday or before. Nice. So, so as a customer, you can apply your own terminology and it will know what you mean. It's very much in its infancy, but the power behind it and the way that they're building it, it's going to be insane on what people do with it within the next, I'd say, year or so when they start really advertising and broadcasting it because I just see a lot of power in it. You can just like imagine the times on Star Trek where they're just like, computer, do this for me, and it gets done. And there's still times where you're, you know, you're trying to relate a bunch of records to something else or you're drilling three or four levels deep or you're dot walking three or four levels up and you think, man, it would take me a tenth of time if I could just say it and be understood. Exactly. I mean, I've got a presentation that I have to do. Right. Here are my five questions or here's the questions that my bosses want answered. I can type them in there and then boom, I get the data back. If I further analyze the data, great. But imagine building a dashboard or something like that, just based on asking five questions and boom, I have a dashboard or the possibilities are, are limitless with something like that. Okay, Mike, we're basically at time. So last word is yours. Stay curious. There's always something new to learn with with ServiceNow and with the technology out there. The possibilities are endless. Oh, man, ain't that the truth. Pleasure having you on board, Mike. Thank you so much, Robert. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to sponsor this channel's content, contact me via the email address pictured here. If you'd like to contribute to high-quality, high-frequency content, consider a donation. If not, I still appreciate your viewership. Consider hitting the like button and sharing with your network. See the description for relevant links. Thanks for watching.